This is a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hello and welcome back to the Inside China podcast. My name is Holly Chick, science reporter with the South China Morning Post here in Hong Kong. And welcome to the fourth and final part of our series, looking at how these past three years of pandemic have affected Hong Kong. We've talked about the economic impact of closing borders, banning airlines, and the harsh hotel quarantine policies. We've also talked about how Hong Kong discovered the community of altruistic people on social media who wanted to provide clear and up-to-date information on Hong Kong's constantly changing zero-COVID policies. But in this episode, you're going to hear an extended interview with one of Hong Kong's leading experts in behavioral pediatrics, because no one seems to be talking about how masks, homeschooling, and being essentially kept indoors has affected the young people of Hong Kong. I want you to think for a second about the very young, the three-year-olds, the four-year-olds. They've spent the first years of their lives being told to wear masks at all times outside their homes. These are crucial years for brain development and the development of social and language skills. And then there's teenagers who've also gone through another crucial period of brain development. Not only wearing masks, but also being kept inside, away from their friends, with government bans stopping them from visiting playgrounds, rugby fields, basketball courts, and even the beach. It's been three years of on-again, off-again online learning as Hong Kong schools were ordered to stop in-person classes, then told to resume them in response to the zero COVID policies. But now, kids are back in school and things are back to normal, except it's really not normal. We've been talking to different teachers from different year levels at some of the schools here in Hong Kong. They can't go on the record, but here's some of what they're telling us. The kids are really goofy. We keep getting kids breaking limbs in the schoolyard because they've just lost their coordination. They're really not at the academic level they should be at this age. I'm seeing a lot more meltdowns. Kids who are just not used to having to share things. We had to take the basketballs away from them at recess because they just keep getting injured. They're much more needy. They're far less independent than they used to be. There's a real lack of social skills and a lack of knowledge of what's acceptable classroom behavior. So let me introduce you to someone who's at the front line of studying and dealing with these issues. Hi, my name is Fanny Lam. I'm a specialist in developmental behavioral pediatrics. I look after children with developmental conditions like autism, ADHD, and dyslexia. Dr. Fanny Lam is the founder of the Hong Kong Developmental Pediatrics and Child Neurology Center. So let's start with the basics. After three years of wearing masks, what effects has this had on children? It had been a long time, and it's not easy. A lot of parents actually gave me feedback on how their kids struggle during these three years. First of all, due to the lockdown, the kids' energy cannot be dissipated, and then they actually end up having a lot of developmental and behavioral difficulties. They become very energetic, and they are very irritable at home, and. Due to the isolation, they also have to learn from home, and their academics actually plummeted. And now they're back in school. Is she seeing changes in their behavior? 
Yes, definitely. Many of them find it really hard to go back to the classroom because they have to pay a lot of attention. They have to sustain attention during class, and they have to follow rules, which at home they don't have to. So I think a lot of kids they some they also develop anxiety as well. Some of the parents told me they couldn't sleep well at night, and they also had nightmare, and they had difficulty waking up early in the morning because they have some time shift. When they were learning from home, anxiety disorders in children, and how old are these children displaying symptoms of anxiety? As young as two to three year old, I see a lot of social anxiety because when they are locked down at home, they only see their mummy, daddy, or at most their helpers. So once they go out to、um, preschool, they have to face a lot of young age peers and also the teachers. And many of them, you know, they exhibit very weak eye contact, and they don't really know the、um, social norm or social rule. When they line up, they don't know what to do. And when they interact with children, they kind of snatch their toys, and they don't know how to behave when the agenda is not met. And in Hong Kong, of course, it's been more than three years of these restrictions. Yes, it's really long time, especially for the group who are born、um, three years ago. So you could imagine their life. You know, the whole the entire life is being locked down at home, and they have to wear the mask. And there are a lot of research studies indicating that、um, children who are born in this era they are not able to recognize facial features of、um, other people, and in the long run, it affects their face recognition power as well as their ver- verbal communication. And picking up the、um, communicative cues, because they only see the eyes, so it's really hard for them to pick up a subtle smile or you know other facial expression that helps them to navigate the emotion of the interactive partner. In terms of child development, we are talking about a concept called the first one thousand days, which is counted、um, from the day of conception. So imagine an embryo that you could only see under a ten thousand times microscope. So the brain actually grows up to thirty-five centimeter within nine months. So it's the most rapid time of the brain brain development. And starting from the day of conception, the first one thousand days is the most important time when the brain goes through the most rapid brain development in the whole life. So during this period of time, every interaction with their significant family member or friends or other people, this create the neuronal proliferation as well as connection between the brain cells. This is very important, and the environment input is also fundamental to the brain development. With very little social interaction, so the brain development is definitely impacted negatively. And for more than the last thousand days. We've been wearing masks. Yes, so there are two major、um, impact. First of all, the ability to comprehend other people's verbal stimulation would be affected because they would just pick up sounds without interacting or integrating the sound to the facial expression. So they would be interacting with people like you talk to a phone or you talk to a robot. So they cannot get the subtle facial cues. From you know the adults that they are talking to, another impact is you could imagine you grow up in a place where everybody has a flat face. You have never seen a smile. 
you have never seen a laughter, so the sadness is intrinsic. So what can be done about this? Or is the damage already done? Well, we still hope that now as the um, stipulations are more relaxed, so parents can try to interact with, with their children as much as possible without a mask. And I will advocate parents to use a lot more body language and Young children, you know, they are still at the time of sensory motor stage of development. So it's very helpful if parents could kiss their kids more often, you know, um, do a lot of cheek to cheek, a lot of body touch. So kids can also get sensory input on top of the verbal stimulations. I would also suggest the parents to refrain from using a lot of cell phones, gadgets, because over the past three years, the children have been addicted to screen time. And this is definitely negative to their brain development as well. Now, let me recap something Dr. Lam mentioned before we turn on the microphone and recorder. She said she had been seeing children who are now scared to take off their masks. So we asked her to repeat what she said. Yes, absolutely. So just yesterday, I saw a little girl who came in because of speech delay. So my job is to find out the reason behind the speech delay. So I just naturally ask, request the parents to help the, do- the daughter to take off the mask. But once I tried to remove the mask, the little girl was so scared and she was feeling emotionally insecure once I take off the mask. So she wanted to put her mask on once I take it off. So I think this is very unhealthy phenomenon because um, this group of children, they are born in this era when everybody wear masks and they have to wear masks and their parents keep reminding you, you wear masks, you have to wear your mask before you go out. So what her first word is actually mask. She couldn't say anything else. And when I tried to remove her mask, she said mask. So I think she is emotionally attached to the mask. And once I remove the mask, she feels very emotionally insecure and she wanted to put it back on. So how does she work through that? Because there really is no precedent for this in history. I am still learning to face this group of children that refuse to (laughs) take off their mask. So I think, you know, take it easy. We have to be very empathetic. We understand from the children's viewpoint and respect their anxiety. And I will try to role model by, you know, talking in front of the kid with a smile on. So gradually the children will be more used to looking at people without a mask. And then I think I will play some games with her. Yesterday, I blow bubbles with her. So, you know, all kids like the bubbles. So I try to blow bubbles. So we have to remove the mask in order to blow bubbles. She, she said, more, more bubbles. And then I kind of entice her to remove the mask and we enjoy blowing bubbles together. I enjoy it very much. And what about the parents? How has this pandemic affected their approach to parenting? They had to make a very sudden adjustment to teaching their kids while also trying to work from home. Yes, it's really hard for the parents. I feel for them, you know, they have to work from home and they have to be the teachers. They have to be the piano instructor. They have to take up a lot of the roles by, you know, sitting next to the kid in front of the computer monitor. And what about the physical development for these children? Hong Kong closed all of its playgrounds and beaches during the pandemic. But we also heard many parents were keeping their children indoors as well. What kind of effect has that had? 
First of all, you know, the kid's body coordination will be weaker, especially this group of children who are born in the COVID era. They haven't been able to exercise a lot and they do not have the experience of developing visual spatial sense through playing in the playground. So they have no sense of depth. Either they are too cautious when they climb up the monkey bars or they are too unaware of danger because they just fall. They have no sense that it's dangerous to fall off um, from the staircase. And interestingly, children also have very complicated understanding of social boundary. So either they are too scared to touch from other children or they have that defense mechanism. I see a lot of kids, they push away age peers in the kindergarten because they were taught that, you know, you need to keep a social isolation distance of an arm length. So once the other kid goes inside their boundary, they will push them off as a natural instinct. So we're talking about change that's occurring among these children. Does she think we can ever get back to what was normal before the pandemic? Well, I think kids do have an intrinsic or innate wish to mingle with another child. And it is our natural instinct to be close to another human being. So I still trust that our children, despite the lack of environmental input or the proper value in the past few years, I think once they are given the opportunity to play with another child, the natural joy and also the happiness generated from playing with another child will reinforce their wish to get close to another child. And gradually, I think parents need to respect their feelings and take it easy. And it's always good to communicate with their children and find out what they, how they feel about having another child close to them, either sibling or their classmates. So I think just take it easy and no pushing and keep your kid emotionally secure is very important. In Hong Kong and in the broader Asian culture, we're very familiar with the term tiger mom, a mother who has very high expectations for her children to achieve top results at school. She mentioned it's important for parents to have empathy for their kids. And I wonder what kind of conversations Dr. Lam is having with parents right now. Well, it's really hard. Um, Usually I also demonstrate empathy myself. So I have to talk to parents in non-judgmental ways. So parents feel very comfortable talking to me their struggle and how they feel about the unprecedented change in Hong Kong. And then I'm able to um, understand the intrinsic difficulties. And then we talk about the strategies and support them to understand their own fear, their worst fear, and reflect on how they move on um, parenting their children. One drawback from being too pushy in parenting is that the kids may develop some oppositional development. And I see quite a lot during this period of time because parents and kids, they are locked down under the same roof. So they have to be with each other, (laughs) they like it or not. And the parents, they just could not hold it because they see a lot of the um, negative behavior and a lot of careless mistake and a lot of things that they usually do not see when their kids are at school. (laughs) So they are, you know, bound to respond and react. And then the kids are very um, negative and they feel um, that they are being monitored by their parent all the time. And a lot of kids develop oppositional behavior and some of them develop 
anxiety as well. And to some extent, I think some parents, they are really too anxious being um, affected by this environment. So a lot of the teenagers, they are very negative towards their parents monitoring their behavior online and installing CCTV and all these behavior. And this actually damages the relationship. So the relationship between parents and teenage children have also deteriorated during the pandemic. Yes, because parents, out of good intention, they will give a lot of instruction. And all these instructions become ingrained in the kid's brain. And the kids are exposed to like 10 instructions in an hour, but which they usually would not when they are not learning from home. So eventually, they're, depending on the um, stage of development, at six-year-old, they are a little bit more autonomous. At teenagers, they, they do not like to listen to these instructions. And eventually, you know, they develop a defense mechanism such that they will oppose and they do the opposite, whatever. Even they know deep inside it's not beneficial and parents love them, but still because of the seek-out of autonomy, because of their natural instinct to be independent, because of brain development, they will develop some oppositional behavior, even they do not intend to. Dr. Lam mentioned about the COVID babies earlier, from the newborn to the age of three. But there's also the COVID teenagers. They're moving into their adolescent years, but they've also been stuck inside for the past three years. Oh, very interestingly, you know, um, teenagers are going through the second stage of golden brain development, same as the toddler, because during adolescence, the brain is also going through a very rapid change called pruning. So the brain connections are trimmed down, making the brain connections more effective and efficient. So many parents actually depict their behavior of the teenage children as if they were toddler. They're very emotional, they lashed out, and they um, did not think about consequence, which is typical development of a two-year-old. So they are actually going through the similar pattern of brain development as of a two-year-old. But they are bigger two-year-olds, so physically they're stronger, and their oppositional behavior can be more powerful or damaging. Does she think schools need more assistance from the government? Definitely, definitely. I talk to a lot of teachers because um, when I see my little patients, they have problems. I usually call up the school and discuss with the teachers. And I see that many teachers are very frustrated as well due to a lot of frequent changes. And they seem to be you know, out of control about the behavior of the uh, students in the classroom, as well as the uh, parents. They face a lot of parents who are pretty anxious and parents either um, got like totally confused about the progress of the children or they push too much because they worry about missing out some of the school days. So the parents, it's first time that the parents going through such situation. So they have no benchmark. So they don't know how they could make up the academic deficiency, which happened in the past few years. So I think... Um, while we are reconstructing or rebuilding the education of the children after a long period of lockdown or learn from home, the parents need to learn to take it easy and the teachers may help to support the parents by giving them a more clear picture and 
to communicate better. So both parties、uh, team up to support the kids and to identify the learning needs. Usually, you know,、um, the kids themselves are also very frustrated or anxious. So it's important to work with every single kid and also to understand what is their goal to gradually. Help themselves to narrow down the gap academically. She talked about reconstructing and rebuilding. Both of them don't happen quickly. In Hong Kong right now, we're still wearing masks. So how long does she think it will take for us to work our way out of this period? Well, I think first of all we need to、um, pay attention to the language development of the young children because language is the ability that you. Master at younger age, and it's irreversible when there is a persistent difficulty. So I think when kids go back to school, the teachers are recommended to pay more attention to their verbal expression in the area of、um, articulation, as well as the、um, pragmatic and communication part of the language use. And second, I think the government may help to employ or to. Delegate some of the screening tasks to social worker or educational psychologists, that they could early identify the students that are in need, because the children with special learning needs actually got hit worse than the typical kids. Can she also tell us about the kids with special needs? Yes, in general. Um, for the group in the golden time of development, meaning the first three years, we understand there are approximately twenty percent of children who have、um, special needs like language delay or early signs of autism or at risk of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So this group of children, they may have some genetic predisposition, and the environmental factor. Will cause some of the behavioral phenotype to be expressed. So I think the earlier identification goes, the earlier intervention we could provide, and we could hopefully mitigate the effect of the COVID. We've been talking about the COVID generation of kids in preschool, primary, and secondary school. Does she think that name will stick? The COVID generation? I haven't heard of it. <laughs> so I think、um, hopefully. We we try to make the whole thing more positive. Being a professional, I think I have a leading role of giving the parents and teachers more hope instead of labeling something that you know create more negativity. There was just one more thing we wanted to ask Dr. Lam, and her answer takes us back to our first episode in this series and the warnings of Professor Yun Kuo Yong in 2018 about Hong Kong learning the lessons from SARS. And what might happen in Hong Kong's future if we don't heed the warnings? Thank you for bringing up this very important question. When we look back twenty years ago, when we had the SARS, so we had a group of students that experienced SARS, and when this group of students grow up and they became teenagers, we saw a lot of obsessive compulsive disorders, anxiety, depression. During their adolescence, so now this group of babies, they are born in the COVID era, and they have three years of experience that are anxious. You know, they face anxious adults. They are not interacting with children, and they are always taught to put on mask, clean their hands. And I worry that the the whole story of the SARS 
complication will happen again when this group of COVID babies grow up into adolescents. So I think if we could activate the whole system and to help this group of children early on, they will develop into healthy individuals when they grow up. That's Dr. Fanny Lam, founder of the Hong Kong Developmental Pediatrics and Child Neurology Centre. We've got a lot of rebuilding to do in Hong Kong. It's one thing to offer hundreds of thousands of free airline tickets, and it's another to invest in and support the hundreds of thousands of children and teenagers who have had their lives and their education interrupted. A newsroom is going to be following this and all the issues associated with rebuilding Hong Kong's economy in the days, weeks, and months to come. And of course, you can follow all of what we report on scmp.com. If you've enjoyed this series of episodes about Hong Kong, don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you're listening to right now. My name is Holly Chick. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.